We're back with part two of the Fast Podcast, visiting with George Favalora of the keg and the strip and the whole nightlife scene in the 1980s in South Louisiana. And now we're on to Colors, which was kind of a groundbreaking music scene teen club that George and his partner Todd French had on Johnston Street for several years. And we'll get into the details of Colors, but right now discussing the... Appearance and explosion of Stevie B on the music scene. And, of course, Spring Love was the first real big radio hit for Stevie B in South Louisiana. Not a big hit everywhere. Huge here. Actually still an anthem in South Louisiana to this day. Oh, yeah. We uh, we actually had him, uh, you know, when um, Spring Love first came out. And then, uh, and then we brought him back again uh, about six months later. Uh, I believe that was in the, the spring of 88. Uh, no, 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 no. That would have been right around, the, it would have been a little bit later than that because we opened in November of 87. Mm-hmm. And our first our first show was um, Pretty Poison with Jade Starling. Uh, catch me, then, I'm falling. Catch me, I'm falling. And then after that, we had Taylor Dane. Mm-hmm. And so Taylor Dane was coming out with all these hits, but and they were doing good. But then it was when some of this more dance Miami sound came. Clay then D. That, yes, <laughs> that's what came. That's what that's what went. Put it over the top. You know, you had um, the the Sleeves Boys. You had Johnny O. You had Latrim. You had Noel. You had Savello, which was a local group. Uh, you know, you just had some really great music coming coming out that uh, you can only hear at Colors. It was it was just it was one of those things. Like I said, it was I was lucky, uh, or we were lucky at Colors to to have this, and and uh, Buffy was really on top of his game, and and it was just a whole lot of fun. Lightning in a bottle, I think, is what they call that. I mean, it just everything lined up right and. And you know, so so that whole scene's happening. The bars down Johnston are happening, but but there's kind of an evolution that happens during the '90s. The strip really really changed a lot. So we we said we would talk '80s and '90s. The '80s kind of the focal point because I think that was the pinnacle of the entire nightclub world, both teen and otherwise, into the early '90s. But as the '90s progressed, the the strip really changed a lot. Yeah. It, it did, and um, but you know that what happened was you know those uh, the opening of uh, signatures and the opening up of club spritz, as well as having uh, you know poets and scandals still rocking. Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of drew people, um, and there were still makos on the on the strip that was doing well, uh, but for the most part, like I said, we had left the keg. And then, so it, it that ended up turning into Pete's on the hook. That's right. I'm sorry, Pete's on, Pete's on the strip, and uh, and so your dance scene was was over there, especially at uh, signatures. Right with uh, with Byron, Byron, Byron DeVilliers. DeVilliers. Yeah, Byron DeVilliers was a great DJ. Uh, I used to tease him. Him and I were fraternity brothers. I used to tease him. If I hear one more George Michael song, I'm leaving. Yeah, I think you, you, know, you kind of broke him and made him start playing all the good stuff, right? <laughs> well, we tried. You know, we were we were in there having a good time. And uh, those guys, uh, Patrick Colleen and the rest of the crew, they all had worked for me at, at the keg at one point. So uh, they were, 
you know, I remember going in there the, uh, about a half hour before the open, and they couldn't, you know, I had to go in there and program all their registers just to get, help them get started. But uh, those guys, it was uh, Patrick Colleen, it was Lane. and Jimmy Stagg. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Stagg was running it. Eric Greenwood was running it, too. Mm-hmm. Eric was my bar manager at the keg at the time. I mean, he had left, too. So it was kind of like this big nucleus of great guys had left the keg and went up and kind of branched out and I, that's when colors and and uh signatures blew up well and you know signatures they were my contemporaries i think jimmy and i are the same age we're all about the same age so as they left the strip it became the strip became younger and it's like you said you know we weren't necessarily ready to go to poets on a regular basis or scandals on a regular basis though we did that from time to time signatures particularly and spritz to a lesser degree became kind of like the bars for us to go to. So where we used to head to the Strip and spend the whole night there, basically, it kind of became the let's park in the shopping center behind AVI and we'll, you know, we'll spend our our night going back and forth between these two bars. So they kind of drew the upper end of what would have been the Strip crowd anyway away from the Strip. So the Strip really kind of went through another metamorphosis, I think, at that time. And, and remember, the strip, of course, it's in the middle of a neighborhood, so your parking is very, really it's bad. It's a nightmare. But, yeah, but on the strip, it was more of a, you know, throw your flip-flops on, throw your shorts on, a T-shirt and everything. But when you, when you came to Signatures, you know, you had nice paved parking, uh, Signatures and Sprint, and, but you, it also became uh, more of a dressier place to go. Yeah, you had to have so. a collar on and pants. I mean, it was like... <laughs> It's not like going to Shanahan's <laughs> yeah. for beer after work, you know? No. <laughs> so they kind of made you dress up there, which was nice. So it was uh, – uh, that was a – I mean, their Thursday nights were ladies' night. That was a, a fun place to go. And, and you know, we, course, we were all Saturday getting night. a little bit older, too, so we were kind of outgrowing. We were trying to almost I, – I, heaven forbid, I'm still not trying to be an adult, but we were trying to be – Older, you know, I mean, I think it was we've kind of outgrown this now. Now maybe we do need to to dress up a little bit to go out. I mean, when you you know you were having dates in your twenties, it was different than having a date when you were eighteen. Yeah, remember uh, that all of a sudden Tommy Hilfiger fashion mm-hmm. uh, exploded on the scene in polo. So you weren't, you know, if you didn't have a Tommy Hilfiger shirt or or a polo shirt or some Jabot jeans and everything, you know, you weren't you weren't hip. Chris Logan makes fun of me every every Thursday when we do my Throwback Thursday pick. He's like, dude, you were like the poster child for brothers. And I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> it was part of the deal. I mean, if I was in that scene, you kind of had to dress the part. But but, but colors, you know, I want to go back to colors because the music scene in my career was impacted directly by, by what happened at colors because it, it made my night show – really relevant because the music that you guys were playing that we played that people couldn't get anywhere else the kids associated with me just like i i associated it with buffy i mean buffy and 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 a few other djs in town kind of broke me into that whole scene but go through some of and i know there's really too many to name but you've named some already but some of the big shows that came to colors and and in the the, the shows were big because the songs by these performers were big before they got here. But what were some of the big ones that you really remember? Like, wow, we can't fit another person in here. Well, you know, and again, we were also fighting that, well, these are one-hit wonders. And these were, you know, because, you know, from the 70s, and that was all you had to have an album to be relevant. 
But, yeah, uh, I mean, our very last show was uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I was there. That was was March 2nd of 1992. That was the very last show. But, you know, probably the biggest show ever was uh, uh, MC Shadi, which uh, (laughs) Exchange opened up. And then there was uh, uh, Young MC, the Bust the Move tour. That was Debbie Deb. That was... We had a couple of KJ and the fellas show. Those were uh, they were great those, guys. They were super yeah. guys. Many of them, uh, most of them, were great guys because they appreciated uh, what you did for them. And, and remember, though, the, the, what got back to Miami was, you know, there was a, an agency called Famous Artist Agency, and Stacy Sussman and Jerry and John Abe were the uh, big guns over there. They would go down to the Miami. Uh, the uh, Miami Music, what was it called? The Miami uh, Winter uh, Winter Music Conference. The, yeah, like they that. had a conference style convention. That's yeah. right. And and it would sign all these artists, and and so they signed. Um, you know, they signed people. They signed new kids on the block. They signed uh, Tiffany. They signed every group that ever played at Colors. And so what was happening is that they these groups were calling. Uh, Stacy Sussman, who handled the South for uh, famous artists, she was like, "How do we get into Colors? We've <laughs> heard about this place, Colors. How do we get into that place?" And um, and so it, that she would be calling me up and saying, "Okay, I've got this group, this group," and I'm like, "Okay, I got to call Fast. You know, I got to find out, you know, what he thinks, and I got to call Buffy, and we got to pull up the music and 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 all this stuff." And it was great because we also had Billy over at the record bar. Yep, and. Uh, you know, and and so we would call him up, and and uh, you know he he would tell us, man, this one's flying out the window. Keep an eye on this group, and so they had uh, what what they had ended up uh, going with cassette uh, singles. Mm-hmm. So that was that's what the, the kids would come to the mall. You know, and, and remember that was the mall was the thing to do too. But you know, the back to what you said, you know, uh, uh, young and restless. Um, Candyman, they they were great. Um, I'm, I'm uh, trying to uh, think of some of the other. Of course, Stevie did several shows. Kuiper was there uh, uh, multiple times. Um, let me think of who else. I mean, Latriette, Latrim, Samantha. Oh, there's there's a story we can't tell about Samantha Fox. <laughs> yeah, that was that. Was, <laughs> I'm not going. That's that's the podcast that might have to be on the Playboy Channel. But but but. <laughs> But you had you had Samantha Fox. That was a big night too. But but so so this was a thing that Lafayette had, and like you said, Miami artists are saying we want to go. They're not saying we want to go to Atlanta or we want to go to Tallahassee or we want to go to Biloxi. They're saying we want to go to Lafayette, and then they would come to Lafayette, and then they would well maybe we should do a show at Neo Beach, or maybe we should do what was it Confetti's or whatever. Whatever the bars of the day were in New Orleans, they would try to, you know, the Metro in Baton Rouge, they would try to route these these tours. But the focal point for the artist was to get into colors. That is correct. In, in fact, uh, the agents who were booking in between Miami all the way up to the Panhandle, they would get them into uh, Spinnaker's mm-hmm. over there in Panama City. And then... So the agents would have to talk to some of these clubs, and I remember them having to drill it into the guys that were at Neo Beach, tell them, hey, you, you ought to look into this. You need to get this group. And it took them a while to catch on. And, and that there was also a teen club called 2010 uh, in Baton Rouge that they were not 
uh, they weren't equipped to do shows. And so they really never did that. They, they may have done a few, but I, I don't recall them uh, doing any shows like that. So uh, we were the ones that uh, Colored was the place to, to get get into the you know this southern area and get your sales blowing out the door. Because remember, this was an all-ages show, and that's what was so key to these record labels. They wanted to, they wanted to make sure it was a place where people – of all ages can go, not not just the 18 and up. So you know as well as I do, all those record labels were coming in to KSMB and just, uh, you know, uh, giving everything they can to get uh, uh, being full supportive with all the shows we had. Yeah, I had a couple of steak dinners thanks to uh, thanks to you guys. I probably <laughs> owe you for that. Yeah, but <laughs> so, so 92, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, the last concert at, at Colors. So – Again, the music world is changing. So you have this run from 87 or 88 with this Miami sound, the freestyle sound, plus techno. You had the Depeche Modes and the Gene Loves Jezebel, and all that stuff was like dancey, rocky stuff that did kind of mesh with this sound on a dance floor. But early 90s, everything changed. Yeah, you know, um, it it just started kind of the, the rap, as they labeled it, started to kind of be, I guess, a little too hardcore. And now that's why, uh, you know, they call it hip hop. Right. Know, because, and, and so they had to make a, you know, the, these um, agents and these record labels, they had to kind of change something to where it's a, a little less, uh, you know, there was a lot of problems out there in the world with uh, shootings and you know rival uh, rival artists and right and the east coast so west coast all that stuff correct but but what changed is that then it went from miami to seattle yep you nirvana so that that was it was the, the the sound coming out of seattle became really hot and so it, it was just a, a, a different sound and a uh, a better sound because some people were just saying, well, you know, just like when disco was hot and all of a sudden disco sucks. Right. You know? New um, wave, new wave took over minute work and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff became like the big deal. So you're absolutely right. I wonder if you, I wondered if you would point to it, but Nirvana and smells like teen spirit, the world stopped in, in, in the nightclub business. Everything changed. Not that clubs weren't successful, but you were not going to succeed with a teen dance club when all the teens were gravitating to Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. They weren't going to go out and dance to that. No, no. In fact, uh, we had uh, when we did Information Society, if you recall. Oh my God, uh, the guy didn't take his skates off. I forgot about that. He kept his well, skates on the at the airport and everything. I had forgotten all about that. And, and I remember when uh, when he had his skates on in the uh, we had him staying over there at the uh, Hotel Acadiana, mm-hmm. and he had his skates on. Everyone thought he was just this weird guy. And then one year later, the, the rollerblades came out. Yeah, he was ahead of his time. Uh, oh yeah, but you know he had four wheels. Yeah, rollerblades you know came out with two. He so, was a uh, little different, you know. He was. <laughs> he was a little. <laughs> I I actually brought him. To, I don't know if you remember that. I'm the one that brought him to the hotel. Yeah, I remember. That. I don't know how that happened. I was all of a sudden, every now and then, I was a limo driver. It was kind of weird, you know. Well, we all had to jump in and help. Yeah, uh, do whatever. No, it was. It was. I. I wouldn't trade. I would not trade that era in my life. Nineteen 
1988 through mid-1982. I wouldn't trade that for anything. I have more stories out of that small window than the rest of my life all put together. Yeah, and, you know, I still have this really cool picture in my office with uh, Kuiper and, and uh, Latrim, Tigra, and Bonnie, mm-hmm. and myself, and uh, Todd French, and uh, Rudy Borg, and Buffy in the mix, and the late Keith Gidry, and uh, standing on the uh, giant jam box. And, uh, <laughs> you know, before a Mardi Gras show, and, and, and you know, so you were doing your show live out there. Mm-hmm. And, and then sometimes we'd uh, have to go, <laughs> have to go get one of the artists at the airport in a van that was, you know, got radio station letters all over it. Yeah, we well, you to... know, more than once I think we did that. But, you know, whatever you're right, whatever it took, and it was a great partnership between the station and, and you guys, and, and our friendship is, has, you know, has been, what is this now, almost 30 years. I guess 30 years we've we've known each other. I probably knew you when I ordered a, a drink from you at the keg, but, but not the same way. We worked together on and off for 30 years, and, and we continue because you you George have have continued to stay active in promoting concerts and you know with night with Nighttown downtown you've stayed in the in the bar scene as well. Did, did you think it's kind of like Elton John to me in 1975? He said, "I'll never sing Benny and the Jets again." He still freaking sings Benny and the Jets. So <laughs> so do you did you see it in, in the crystal ball of George Favalor's life and the and the night night life of Lafayette that you would be a part of it for all these years? You know, actually, I didn't start out thinking that. It just kind of, things started, you know, evolving around me. These agents became vice presidents of the company, you know, so I was offered bigger shows to bring to the Hyman Performing Arts Center or the Cajun Dome. In fact, uh, you know, one of my favorite shows I've done over the years is Hank Williams Jr., who's playing at the Cajun Dome this weekend. That's right, Saturday night. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and, you know, whether it was Patti LaBelle or Tom Jones or some of the older groups that my dad used to want to bring in and, you know, uh, as fundraiser, and, and I'd laugh at him, you know, then I ended up bringing them, you know, Hall & Oates was one of my favorite shows I've ever done at the Hyman Center. Oh, that was great. Doobie, Doobie Brothers so, was on my birthday. Yep, Doobie Brothers was a blast to do. There was a... Uh, you know, we brought the Little River Band with uh, Seals and Cross. That mm-hmm. was a great show. So we were, you know, it just kind of evolved there from what we, we had called it Colors Concert Connection because we were connecting all these groups between Houston and Dallas and, and, and New Orleans and on into uh, Panama City. Right. So all these tours that were coming through and, and really Houston was our hub. So if now, we didn't always get the best date because Houston and Dallas and Austin and well, actually Austin wasn't really big. It was San Antonio was one of the big oh, markets. Oh, it's huge freestyle hip-hop market. I mean, huge. Yeah. So so they were getting the better dates, and then, you know, we would come through. But we were getting the good dates for, for uh, colors because uh, of the fact that they needed colors. And so we were able to pick our dates and say, okay, we want the Monday before Mardi Gras. We want the Sunday night of uh, Labor Day. We want this. And so we were able to pick and choose our dates. But uh, it was, you know, when we started Colors Concert Connection, we were able to connect a lot of major shows to, and I still do that. Um, there's this, right now, there's, there's uh, groups like Live Nation and, 
people like that who have actually bought out the whole tours and everything. So it kind of bumps out the smaller promoters. But right. you know, those guys are great guys. Those are friends of mine. Uh, they've called me for for help. They've called me. You know, so I'm still, even though it might not be my show, I'm still involved in a lot of these shows. And and um, as you know, you know, I, I eventually. Uh, when we opened up uh, Nighttown 17 years ago, we were doing a lot of that new rock music mm-hmm. that coming in, um, you know, Shine Down and Hoobastank and, you know, all these really good rock bands that were coming through that uh, we were really able to capitalize and, and, and bring to the city. So, I mean, uh, I became, you know, I just kind of fell in love with entertaining Lafayette or entertaining South Louisiana. And that's what I've always loved doing. Well, and you, you've done an amazing job. I mean, who would have thought that 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 the you know the bar manager of the keg would end up you know, like having this legacy? And and Lafayette might have been the perfect market. It might not have worked if you had done this in Monroe or if you had done it in Little Rock. Lafayette might have just been ripe for the picking, so to speak. And 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 the timing was everything. But you had good instincts. I mean, you always and and. You you trusted people, and it wasn't just me. There was a, a a slew of people that you would call and say, "What do you think?" And I, I I can't, you know, a lot of times I would hang up the phone and I would be like, "Oh my God, it's not my money!" Like I should always just tell him no because if he loses, he's it's my fault. But but how many times have I gotten that call? Like, okay, I got this thing that that, that I got a fax from so and so that this band is coming. I'm like, give me a day, let me let me figure it out and. And and more often than not, we may not have hit a home run, but we at least got a ground rule double and had a great time doing it. Oh yeah, and, and you know, I it got to a point where I knew who to trust because some people would just say, "Oh, that would be great," just because they wanted their uh, rate, they wanted the show, so the radio station can get tickets and promote it. And if, if they were representing the show, but uh, people like you and there's a handful of other people that were always Man, I mean, I can remember getting getting uh, text messages. I still get them, text messages and emails from uh, a couple of DJs that just say, nope. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And every time I've done it, when they said, nope, I, it wasn't so successful. Well, and you know, uh, I, I, you, my question usually is, what do you got to make? What? Do you, how many tickets yeah. do you have to sell? You know what? What's going to happen? But you still, people may not even realize this. I mean, not only are you still involved with it and, and still have Nighttown and, and, and doing some shows, but like all the symphony shows with uh, the music of Led Zeppelin and, and unfortunately with the storm and everything, the, the Queen show didn't happen. But but you guys, again, risk takers and, and sort of visionaries when it comes to, I think this would be a great idea. I think Lafayette would, would go for this and doing things a lot of other people might not have you know had the nuts to do. Yeah, you know that that's a that's another story in itself with the music of Led Zeppelin because I had an agent, a friend of mine, who kept telling me you got to do this, you got to do this, and I kept putting him off because I didn't understand it. I, I wasn't affiliated with the Acadian Symphony at the time. I didn't have no contact. I didn't know who to call and everything. So he called me and said, you know, here's your excuse to come see me in New Orleans. They're playing at the Pontchartrain Center. And I went, and I was blown away, came back home, couldn't get on the phone fast enough to book a date. Yep. So, um, you know, those have been successful. And, you know, again, we're not – it's a team effort. We're not successful unless – you know the media is behind it, but unless the fans buy tickets, well, and the, the, and the, the town has tickets, supported man. your shows. I mean, the the town has been a good town for this kind of a career for you. 
and and you know I've uh, it was a general manager who told me one time when I told him that things were a little slow on a show. He goes, "Well, George, I can't make them buy tickets." And I was like, "Yep, you're right." Yeah, okay. it's so, not it's not your fault, I guess. It's just kind of how it works. You know that there have been so many, and you got a million more stories than me because I haven't been involved in all of them. But you know, there's there's a couple of things that 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 have happened over the years um, that stick out, and and one was when you called and said, "Don't tell anybody." But it looks like we're gonna have Joe Walsh at Nighttown, and I was like, "You're gonna do what? You're gonna have who?" That was one of the coolest events ever. It was, I mean, a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, and it was just something that just kind of fell in your lap, wasn't it? Yeah, well, actually, that was uh, Barry Leff over at Beaver, and um, he was he was just um, he had a Joe Walsh date that fell out, and he couldn't do nothing with, and so. Um, you know, he called me up, and at the time, it was not, uh, it wasn't uh, Nighttown yet. It was Amanda Scott. That's right. It was Amanda Scott. So uh, he called me up, and he said, man, you know, can you can you fit a, a Joe Walsh date? And I'm like, you know, let me, I really wasn't, uh, I wasn't a, that big of an Eagles fan. So I was like, well, I, but I was a Joe Walsh fan. So I said, let me call up Andy over at Amanda Scott's and let me see if we can do something. And and Andy almost slipped back in his chair. <laughs> and so we booked it. Uh, and and they were, you know, the agent was was trying to fit. You know, this is a big show that should be in the the, the Hyman Center, right? And, and everything. And so we the Hyman Center was booked and and everything. The only thing we had left was a man Scott. And I was like, and at the time I had owned nightcaps on the strip. So we were, I just said, okay, well let's do it at a man Scott, but we got to fit it in a, in a place that can hold, that only holds about 900 people. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many people were in there, but it was, uh, it was more than 900. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell so, you that, but it was, it yeah. was amazing. It was, but again, it was one of those things because of your relationship. And I love Barry. I mean, Barry at Beaver Productions is one of my favorite people, but, but this is one of these things because of the way you've done business and the way you had a good instinct and the way you treated people along the way that just kind of fell on you where it might not have fallen in Lafayette any other way. Yeah, Barry, um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, what we call networking nowadays. So as long as you, you know, in business and that you, you keep everybody on your side, you know, you, that old saying, you, you, you keep your, uh, your friends close and your enemies closer. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, you got to keep some of your competitors. They're not wanting a competitor, Beaver. You know, Beaver can pick their dates and everything, but we had a relationship where, if he wanted to do a show and he didn't have an uh, uh, um, an available venue, he would send it my way. And you know, I never forget there was a a show at the Cajun Dome. I had an offer on the table, and they were holding. I mean, they were holding back and everything. It was Sticks Oreos, Sticks and Oreo Speedwagon. Uh, Arch Allies tour. About eighteen. This was about eighteen years ago, and yep. I kept telling him. I said, I said, if you, you need to tell me now because my son is about to be born, and if if my wife goes into labor and my son is born, I'm not doing the show because I'm going to be busy with a, a second kid. And sure enough, the morning my son was born, uh, they called me up and said, okay, we're confirmed. Oh, <laughs> so I had, to call, I had to call Barry Leff and tell him over at Beaver and tell him, hey, man, can you pick up this show for me? 
Little did I know his show in New Orleans went up on sale and did very well. He said, "No problem, George. Just take it easy. I'll take care of it." Mm-hmm. But he, he didn't give me the, you know, he didn't tell me the information how well they did. <laughs> he just said, "Don't worry about it, George. I'll take it from here." And sure enough, he did well. And uh, and I called him up and I said, um, you know, I have some choice words as a joke to him. I said, like, "I can't believe you did that." So it uh, it's it's just all about networking sometimes, and and we're lucky. What people don't understand in, in Lafayette is, is that when you have shows like this, it's you're lucky because we're not a big market. Nope. And, and so these artists, they're, they want to make sure they look good, so they don't want to uh, play a smaller market and bomb because then all of a sudden the, their price goes down because uh, these other uh, these other promoters are saying, hey, wait a minute, I got you in this market, we're doing good, in this market, we're doing bad. So, um that's, this is not always a market that they want, but, you know, right now, you know, as you see, man, we're getting a lot of shows at the Cajun Dome, and a lot of that has to do with the staff and management over there at the Cajun Dome. Pam DeVille's doing an awesome job. Being aggressive. Uh, they're, they're being yeah. aggressive now. To get Chris Stapleton, for instance, to come to Lafayette, that is a huge accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Like, Pam, they got a couple of more underneath their, uh, their belt that they have not announced, but... Uh, to get Craig, you know, Chris Stapleton to get that many shows of Garth Brooks is uh, a couple of years ago when Garth played five dates. Yep. You know that was that was Pam and her staff. They they did a phenomenal job and everything. But it, you also got to look at the ticket buyers. Uh, as long as people are buying tickets and wanting to come to the shows, uh, it does. You know these these artists will continue to come. Well, and, and I, I said, give me a couple of minutes and we'll visit about. Uh, going out at the bar scene in the 1980s, and we've been we've been doing this now for an hour, and we probably have 20 hours worth of stories we could tell. And somebody's going to ask me about Samantha Fox. Somebody who listened to this thing, I know that 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 question is coming. And I guess uh, it's not for broadcast purposes. So if if you ask me and buy me a beer, maybe I'll I'll tell you what happened. But uh, but but George, you know, it's been such a such a, a good 30 year friendship for me, and and so has enhanced my career and probably kept you have helped to keep me viable here. So I didn't, I didn't want this to be a, a thank you, George, but before I let you go, I, I got to thank you because I'd probably be still selling insurance for that one year I took off. I might not have ever come back if it wasn't for you. <laughs> well, you're quite welcome fast. But it, it, as, as I said uh, a little while ago, it was a team effort and it, you know, you were either on the team or you were, you know, not, so we, you know, we had a group of people that uh, that made some decisions that were that were, you know, big decisions uh, in the entertainment industry that a lot of people don't know about. And if it wasn't for those decisions, you know, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't have a lot of the shows that came to life yet. Well, keep me updated. I know you've got uh, you've always got something brewing, and 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 we appreciate you sharing with us like you do the Randy shows during festival and. And I know Randy's uh, Randy's coming back, and and w- depending on when you listen to this, Randy is. Well, I'll let you have a shameless plug here at the end for those that dealt with us for an hour here, embellishing uh, our our careers. Tell let tell everybody about Randy Jackson and his uh, his appearance uh, upcoming at Nighttown. Yeah, we're, uh, you know we just had Randy uh, for a festival. We do that. Uh, we try to do it every year uh, during the Saturday of festival at Nighttown, and so. Um, Randy called up, uh, you know, we've been great friends for 30 years, just like he's, you know, in the loop as well, but mm-hmm. more so in the Zebra and, and Randy Jackson uh, stuff. 
but he called me up. He had a date on a Sunday in New Orleans and then said, hey, uh, can you help me find a, a, a room to play? And I'm like, well, let's do it again at Nighttown. So uh, coming up on uh, May the 24th, it's a Friday night. Uh, we're going to have Randy uh, kind of a festival international redo. And uh, the, the show he put on for festival was phenomenal. Uh, if you were there, you know that, you know, there wasn't much room in the place. Uh, there was about 800 people in the building, and everybody had a great time. And, and you know, he just doesn't stop. He plays for three and a half hours, and, and he'll play anything from the Beatles to Elton John to Led Zeppelin and then play all of his hits. So he'll be coming coming back Friday, uh, November – I mean, uh, Friday, May 24th. And uh, it doors open at 7. He'll come on at 8. We'll put him, in, put him on a little early, so – you don't have to go to bed. I mean, you, you can still go to bed early, but come on out of here. <laughs> ten, it's a, ten it's dollars, a right? Phenomenal show. You know, and, and Randy at his age to continue, and he's gotten better with age. We don't have that kind of quality. I mean, you you go to appreciate that kind of quality in in the music industry, and uh, it's just he's such a great guy. And he's such a great entertainer. Well, George Favalor joined us today on the Fast Podcast, and it wasn't fast. It was it was a slow podcast today, but but a lot of good stories and a lot of a lot of great memories of of the the, the club scene in the '80s and the music scene as well. And and George, again, I look forward to. I I have no retirement plan, so the next thirty years, I guess, we'll still be doing this. Yeah, absolutely, you'll you'll be with me. All right, George. Look, thanks again, and uh, and I'll uh, I'll I'll. Make sure that you're tagged on this. We'll get it on your Facebook page, and uh, and and the old colors crew can uh, can tune in and 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 think, wow, was it that long ago already? <laughs>